to a closer look. This is episode four. It's your host, Brandon. And today I want to talk about vision. Vision is one of those things that everyone talks about at the beginning of the year, especially this year since the year is 2020. So, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, perfect vision, perfect vision, all those those corny jokes and all. But I was specifically reading in the book of Proverbs, uh, specifically Proverbs 29, 18. And that reads, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Now, if you're familiar with that verse, you're probably more familiar with the New King James translation, which reads, where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. So then I just began to think, well, what then is vision? One source as I was studying to find vision as the ability to think or plan the future with imagination, wisdom, creativity. Another defined it as the bridge between the present and the future. Now, I'm sure you already know that having vision for your life is important. And I'm equally sure that you have probably already set vision for yourself this year. And one question I do have for you is how clear is that vision? You see, as I was studying vision, the Holy Spirit actually brought me to the more practical definition of the word vision. In fact, Webster's Dictionary actually defines vision as the special sense which the quality of an object such as color, shape, size, constituting its appearance are perceived through a process in which light rays entering the eye are transformed by the retina into an electrical signal that is transmitted to the brain via the optic nerve. Or, scientific stuff aside, it's our vision, things we can see. Vision is really like the lenses on a pair of glasses. We use it to interpret our lives, the events and things that takes place in them, our concept with God and how we relate to him, and even the way we see and relate to people. Now, if the lenses on a pair of glasses were to get smudged, dirty, or cracked, seeing would become much more difficult, right? What I'd like to submit to you is that having unclear vision is just as dangerous as having no vision at all. Looking back onto that opening verse that I used, the Proverbs 29, 18, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. And what that kind of looks like when I think about that, it's like, has have you ever been in one of those like low lit rooms where it's like there's barely enough light to see? And as you try to navigate through the room, you somehow still manage to like stump your toe on a coffee table or trip and fall and hurt yourself. That to me is what living with uh, living a life with unclear vision looks like. And then just taking the second half of that proverb, the he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The law being described here isn't just the list of rules or regulations or the Ten Commandments or commandments that God gave to Moses. It's the restraints, disciplines, and boundaries God set through his wisdom for us to help us establish a blessed life here on this earth. And really, my whole goal here today is just to share with you some of the things that can actually potentially cloud your vision, share with you some of the benefits of having a clear vision, and then just to give you some of those principles to help you set clear vision. And the first thing that could potentially block your cloud your vision that I want you to be aware of is just your heart's posture. You see, the natural sense of vision comes from our eyes. And Jesus said that our eyes are the windows of our heart. Matthew 6, 22 through 23. I actually read it for you. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You see, our, our minds may receive images from our eyes, but it's really our heart that interprets these images. And if our heart in any way becomes bitter, jealous, hurt, or in some way distorted, the vision we set for ourselves becomes distorted as well. Consider a vision for financial prosperity. It's a great vision to have. But if that vision is living, uh, driven by fear or greed, you'll likely rush into things prematurely and or make compromises where it really counts. You know, the Apostle Paul even prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that God can give us a spirit of wisdom and a deeper revelation of himself. That was found in Ephesians 1, 17 through 18. As I was studying further, I found that the word enlightened here means spiritually aware. You see, Paul is praying that our hearts would be more spiritually aware of God. And then I realized the more aware of God we become, the more he's able to fill our hearts with himself. And then I found this awesome complimentary verse in 1 John 1, 5. 
This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So then I ponder, God is light, in him is no darkness at all. God is light, in him is no darkness at all. If then God is light and he fills our hearts with his light, that means the darkness that's within us is then cast out. And if the darkness that is within us is cast out, we're now clearly able to see just what God is doing, allowing us to be able to set clear vision for ourselves. Ultimately, all I'm really trying to say is that the more you allow God into your heart, the more he's able to cleanse it so that you can see clearly. This is really one of the reasons why I feel Jesus taught the importance of knowing the truth. Specifically, John 8, 32 reads, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the more of God's truth you acquire, the more freely you're able to live. Knowing what is true also plays a vital role when distinguishing between a godly vision and a false vision. You may be thinking to yourself, just like I did, well, what's a godly vision and what's a false vision? A godly vision, the results of that vision glorify God. They don't contain anything that is opposed to God's word or will. In fact, consider David's vision to build a temple for the Lord. Now, technically, Solomon was the one who built the temple, but the results of David's vision not only brought God glory, but provided a place for the Israelite nation to worship. On the counter side of that, a false vision is just the opposite. It counteracts God's word by justifying sin or gratifying the desires of the flesh. And I just want to read Colossians 2.18 to you. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. False visions occur when we lose our connection with God. Our visions shift from being God-honoring to our own selfish pursuits. Again, taking that vision for financial prosperity, I actually used to have a false vision for financial prosperity. Mine was out of selfishness. For one thing about me is I'm, I'm really, really into cars. And I remember praying a prayer when I was younger, asking God to bless me financially so I could own and buy all the cars that I wanted. And I, in fact, I even remember asking God that I wanted to have a, own a museum of cars. And I tried to make it a little spiritual by like, you know, saying God, I would provide for you know, people who are less fortunate who didn't have cars or my friends and family. But really, ultimately, the whole reason behind that prayer was just to acquire the things that I wanted. And it wasn't really until God gave me opportunity to bless people financially and then pour into not only, you know, the church, but to other people's lives and see what a true blessing money can be, that that vision for financial prosperity switched from being a selfish pursuit of what I can attain to being more of a, how can I bless and help those around me? Because seeing someone genuinely blessed by by you by giving them money or paying for something that they need or couldn't get on their own it truly does fill you with a sense of happiness a greater it gives you a greater sense of happiness than me going out and buying you know whatever it is i desired and the whole reason why i shared that with you is just to tell you i just reinforce that idea that your heart's posture really does matter when it comes to your visions so the other thing I wanted to say is that, that wanting more out of life isn't a bad thing. In fact, really, God wants to bless you so much so that you can be a blessing to those around you. And 2 Corinthians 9, 8 actually supports this. And God will generously provide all you need. And you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You see, wanting more out of life only becomes a problem when we lose sight of God. And when it becomes more about what can God do for me instead of what we can do for God. Now, I just kind of want to shift gears a little bit and then just share with you some of the things that having a clear vision can provide you. Before I do that, I just want you to just kind of take a moment and just imagine yourself living out your vision, whatever it is. Maybe you have a vision for an extraordinary marriage where there's a deep level of trust, intimacy, and communication. 
or maybe you have a vision of a deeper fellowship with God where you're able to walk with him closer on a daily basis and discern his voice more clearly. Maybe you even have a vision for running a successful business with a plethora of clients or even financial freedom where you no longer have to think about robbing Peter to pay Paul. But whatever it is, I just want you to take a moment and think about it. had a moment to think about it if i were to ask you is that vision something important to you or something you cared about more than likely you probably tell me yes i would even go so far as to say it's something that you're passionate about and passion is one of the things that having clear vision can provide you when we as people are passionate about something we become emotionally invested in it we come alive we get a drive and an energy and a tenacity we previously didn't have when i think of passion the closest analogy i can think of is those sports fans who get super energetic over a game where they're jumping, yelling, screaming at the TV as if the coaches and the players can actually hear their frustration and excitement. And then, you know, the more I thought about it, the reason why they get so passionate is because they can see or envision their team winning the game. And I realized that same level of passion and intensity that those players have, and we have it too for whatever it is that, you know, we're, we, we're passionate about, whether it is sports, whether it is cars, whether it's, you know, computers or crafting or houses or, you know, whatever it is, you know, the things that you're passionate about. We need to take that same level of intensity and apply that to the vision that God's placed in our uh, placed in us and given us for our lives. Just remember, as you live in anticipation for the future you set vision for, remember to seek God first. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. One thing I've learned about passion is if it's not directed by God, it can easily lead you in a direction that God did not intend for you to take. So again, like I said, that vision where I was pursuing money for selfish reasons, I was passionate about it because I am passionate about cars, but I was passionate about it for a selfish reason. If we're honest, there are things that we are still passionately pursuing or have pursued without God that are left us feeling empty. We can find ourselves chasing after material things like money, people, status, or even after emotional things like approval and love. Just a moment of transparency. There has been one point in my life where I've probably, where not probably, where I have pursued these things wrongly in my life. I actually found another verse that actually kind of shook me to my core, and it's actually found in Ecclesiastics 6:2. It reads, "God gives some people wealth, possession, and honor, so that they lack nothing their heart desires. But God does not grant them to the ability to enjoy them, and strangers enjoy them instead. This is a meaningless and grievous evil." So when I first read this, I was shook. We can pursue something passionately without God, and then he can still allow us to get it, but we won't have the ability to enjoy it. And then just like the verse said, it just felt like the whole thing was meaningless. But the good news is if you seek God first, not only will you get all the, get all, have all the other things that you, you know, you want, quote unquote, added to you, but you will also have the ability to enjoy it as well while being a blessing to those around you and building the kingdom and bringing God glory. The second thing that having clear vision can provide you is motivation. And this is critical because every vision requires hard work. And with motivation, every mundane and difficult task we do in order to complete that vision starts to take shape. And we find meaning that inspires us to take the next step in the process. So for those of you who don't know, I am in the IT field. But before I got into this field, I was actually a custodian. I graduated, got a certification, and I had a little bit of experience, but I could not get a job in the field. And I was severely upset. But through God's grace, he provided me with some opportunities to be able to meet with some really cool people and they began teaching me things about the field. 
the stuff they were teaching me was very complicated stuff, like some very seriously complicated stuff. But I was motivated by the fact that someone took the time to actually teach me. And then I was starting to learn what they taught me. By the time I got to the next level, a little bit more difficult, but I was still motivated by the previous success. Eventually building my way up to where I am now as a um, as an analyst. I'm, I'm thankful and grateful for that because if, without the motivation, not only what I would have quit, but also if you don't have motivation for the vision that God is placing you, you'll likely quit long before you get to where you need to be. And then the last thing I wanted to share with you that having clear vision provides is just purpose. And when you have a clear vision and you have the purpose and you marry the clarity of the vision to your purpose, you then have the bridge that's your current present to the future that God has put in your heart to manifest. Your vision and your purpose are unique to you. God has placed them in your heart. Your vision will be different from anyone else's around you, mine's included. What God has placed inside of you is so unique that only you can do it. Ephesians 2.10 reads, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we will walk in them. I just want you to take a minute and let that sink in. You are God's worksmanship. God created you for a specific reason. He created you to form not only extraordinary relationships, but impact the world in such a way that it revolutionizes it. And not only that, not only you revolutionizing the world, but you're bringing God glory and impacting the lives of people in a positive way. The last thing I want to share with you is, like I said, just some of those practical disciplines and things that the Bible teaches about how to go about fulfilling vision. The first thing you need to do is just take your vision from the unseen world, which is your mind, and bring it to the natural world. And that can be done by simply writing it down. You see, when you articulate your vision on a piece of paper, you bring the dream that only you can see out so that others can see it as well. And not only are they able to see it, but they're also able to support you in building it, offer you correction and guidance, and even hold you accountable where you need it. I like to think of it as an architect's blueprint. When an architect has an idea to build a skyscraper, they don't just go to the construction queue and tell them uh, via word of mouth, hey, start building this here or dig a hole here or, you know, fill out the cement here. No, they, you know, first draw up a blueprint, write different uh, diagrams, have it approved, go to different meetings, committees, long before the construction crew even hits the site. Habakkuk 2.2 supports this. Then the Lord answered me and said, record the vision and scribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. God actually does this when he's giving Solomon the instructions down to the cubic square feet of how to build his temple. God set out all the different requirements, all the different materials needed. We need to take that same level of discipline and apply it to our visions and write it out simply so we, we don't forget it. And then also so that we know exactly what it is that we need to do. The next step is really a two-in-one, and it's to create a plan and set goals. A plan is nothing more than a detailed proposal for how you want to achieve or accomplish a task. Plans not only provide clarity to your vision, but they help outline your requirements in order to fulfill it. In fact, the Bible actually warns about not planning out our visions. Luke 14, 28. But don't begin until you count the cost, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? I'm not even going to begin to tell you my laundry list of plans that I've just haphazardly jumped into, and I just started working on it, and then didn't really take the time to sit down, think out, and plan out what it would cost for me to actually complete the plan, and then given on it, given up on it long before it even came to fruition. I'm trying to save you some time. If you have a great plan, or you have an idea for a plan, make sure you sit down and write out that vision so that you can then see what it's gonna take, what it's gonna cost, whether it's time, resources, whatever it is, so that you know exactly what you're getting yourself into, so that you can complete it and then have the success that you're looking for. The second part, like I said, is goals. Goals are nothing more than your plan broken down into smaller measurable pieces or specific parts of your vision that will complete it by a predetermined date. I found that most people don't like setting goals, myself included. And the reason why, at least for me, is, is because I feel like if I don't meet a goal by the time that it's come, that it, that it arrives, I feel like I've failed. But what I've been learning recently is that you really only fail when you fail to plan. And then goals are nothing more really 
they nothing more really than just giving your vision a sense of urgency. They help form my priorities and they help you form your priorities as well. Every activity that you plan becomes purposeful as it starts to move you forward in completing the overall vision. The last principle that I wanted to share with you is just you need to submit the vision to God. We already talked about seeking God first, but man, one of the ways to do that is to submit your vision to God. I want to read to you two verses, actually, Proverbs 16:9 and Psalms 37, 23-24. The mind of a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And then Psalms 37, 23-24 reads, The steps of a man are established by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. When he falls, he will not be hurtled headlong, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I once had steps defined to me by a mentor as... The moment-by-moment, hour-by-hour decisions that you make, the things you do that take up your time and use up your life. And when you submit that vision to God, not only will he direct you in your steps, he'll also correct you when you're a little off, he'll affirm you when you're right on target, and then he'll also pick you up if you do happen to stumble. One thing to remember about your steps is they should always be directly connected to your vision. What I want you to do is uh, go back to your vision that you created back in January and see has your steps directly aligned with your vision. If not, don't fret. Just resubmit the vision to God and just like the verse said, he'll pick you up if you stumble, he'll affirm you if you're right on target, and then he'll guide you to get you right back on track.